chapter 5. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. Amen. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, we're going to turn our attention to verses 31 and 32. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And our attention will be on verses 31 and 32. Amen. And would everyone please stand for the reading of God's Word? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and verse 32, you will find these words. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. I want to talk to you a few moments from the thought. Jesus' teaching on divorce. Jesus' teaching on divorce. You may be seated in the presence of of the Lord. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing. Me of the 
Yes, love, who died to set me free, to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood of sin. chapter 5 verses 31 and 32 Jesus is teaching on divorce it is interesting after all of the years that have passed since Jesus walked physically on this earth these verses are just as pertinent today as they were in his day. In some ways, I would contend that they are more pertinent today than they ever have been. When we look at the world as a whole and we understand that over 50% of the marriages end in divorce, and even a high number are in the church, I would say that this is pertinent for today. And I would say today that this text is so much more important for the church than it is the world. Because remember, the church is the representatives of God to this world. And there's nothing more anti-God than to be uncommitted. Because Jesus Christ is full on committed to us. The Bible says that Jesus demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about my state as a sinner, I know that I was not thinking anything about God. And nor was any sinner before me, but Christ still died. He didn't have a crowd coming along saying, go, Jesus, go. Let them put nails in your hands and let them put nails in your feet. He didn't have a cheerleading squad saying, we understand that when you die, that you die for the world's sins. Go, Jesus. No, but the Bible says all had forsaken him. 
Amen. His disciples had gone their way. There was nobody left but John and his mother, and they were there at the cross. It was a lonely time, but yet God stayed committed. Uh-huh. It wasn't fun. Well, it didn't make him happy. He didn't have somebody along the way that was, you know, every time he felt pain, he took the whole brunt of it for us. But he never said, hold on a minute. When they nailed that first, they nailed that first spike in his hand, he said, oh, hold on, hold on. That's it, y'all. Pull it out, get off the cross and go on. No, he endured the cross, despising the shame for you and I. So there's nothing more anti-God than a lack of commitment. Because if we are to show the world that we are committed and that the world is to see the kind of fidelity, full, committed God that God is, then we have to show commitment for one another. Amen? So we, we live in a time when Everything's got to come easy. Our culture is set up to make everything instant. It started with the microwaves and the instant meals. And I I can't wait for a few minutes for things to get ready. It's got to be ready in seconds. So now we end up in a situation to where we think everything ought to work just like that. If I get into an argument with my husband or my wife, then the argument and all my hurt and pain ought to go away just like that. It ought to be just like that. But if it lingers a while, then we start to wonder whether or not this is the right person for me. But I'm so glad that when Jesus looked at us and we said crucify him and give us Barabbas, that he didn't look and say, you know what? These folks crazy. I think I'm on find me another mate. I think I'm going to find me another bride because these folks here is too fickle for me. My, this is Jesus. This is the sinless, the matchless lamb of God who has every reason and every right to walk away. He never sinned. He never cursed. He never lied. He never murdered anybody. He never backbited. He never gossiped. He never was envious. He never was jealous. None of those things. This is Jesus. He had every right. But we who have already fallen. Amen. And we realize that God is still faithful to us. It ought to exhibit itself in the relationships we have with one another. So this text in light of the whole text of Matthew chapter 5. Remember that 5, 6, and 7 is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a little while since we've been in this text, so I might need to go back and review a little bit of what's going on here. This is Jesus' magnum opus, if you will, of sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the manifesto of the king. Because remember, Matthew was writing his gospel to portray Jesus as king. 
And he is the king of a kingdom. He has authority to set forth the laws of his kingdom. Mm. And if you want to live in his kingdom and associate yourself as a citizen, then we have some laws that we need to follow. Amen? So the text allows us to see that there has been some, if you will, twisting of what God really meant for marriage. When we look at the text, it says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Verse 32 says, but I say. If you remember from previous sermons here in this text, Jesus keeps putting what has been said against what he says. And I just come by for a little while to tell you that it don't matter what other folks say. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Judge Judy, President of the United States, King of Israel. I don't care what none of them say because they don't matter if it don't line up with God. There can be kings, but there's only one king of kings and lord of lords. And his name is Jesus. So when we look at this text, we find that it was the religious leaders of that day who had twisted the truth and did some omissions because they really wanted to do what they wanted to do. On other occasions, Jesus said, woe unto you hypocrites, you workers of iniquity. He called them whitewashed sepulchers full of excess and distortion. He basically said when he called them whitewashed sepulchers, he says, you tombs, you graves, you, you, you come out, you look all clean on the outside, but inside there's only death and disease. On the inside, there's only deterioration, but you're all washed on the outside. See, the leaders of that day, those Pharisees and scribes, uh, they wanted to tell the people what they should do, and they wanted to set up oral laws that would allow them to do what was really in their hearts. Because if you look at the text, It says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. There's a precedence in this text. And the precedence is those fathers of old who came up with this oral tradition because it wasn't the law of God. The precedent was set, well, if you want to get a divorce, The only thing you need to do in order to be right is make sure she gets a certificate of divorce. Now you see how that's twisted? See, the precedent is if you want a divorce, all the only qualifications for getting a divorce and being okay is to give a certificate Mm. of divorce. Mm. 
As long as you done gone to the lawyers and they done wrote up the documents and y'all done come to agreement on who gets what, who gets this, blah, 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 and then it's signed and put down in the courthouse, you're fine. But verse 32 says, but I say, thank you, Reverend. Jesus says, I hear all of that stuff, but that's not my law. That's not my rule. That's not, that's not how this works. He, he says, you, you hypocrites, you, you whitewashed sepulchers, I see what you're doing. You, you got the whole mentality that if this don't work out and I don't like this, then I'll go get me another one. And really what was happening, that they were doing a lot of wife swapping. The text will bring that to our, 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 our recollection when we look at it once again. Because in verse 32, he says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. See, Jesus called him on both ends. He called him on both ends because they were in this wife-swapping mood. And so what they would do is they would lust after one's wife and the other would lust after the other's wife. And then they would say, oh, man, so I think I love her and I think I love her. And so you give her a divorce and I give mine a divorce and we can switch. All right. See, what's done in the dark will come to the light. See, you can't, you can't do dirt and the Lord not see you because you can't get away with it. But I contend that there's another higher level to even this. And that is specifically for the church because we are the ambassadors for God to the world. And if all we do is turn around and say, Hey, I'm going to let my wife go or I'm going to leave my husband for irreconcilable differences. Then how different are we than the world? And when somebody asks you, well, why did I leave my husband or why did I leave my wife? Well, she just didn't make me happy anymore. Well, he, he just... He just wasn't taking care of me in the way that I'm accustomed to being taken care of. I mean, I look for safety and my husband should have provided me safety. And because he wasn't providing me safety, I had to leave. And the husband said, well, the wife is not being affectionate to me the way she used to be. So I guess I'm going to have to leave. I got to find me somebody else that'll be what I want them to be. But nowhere in the Bible did God set that up as a precedent for impetus for anybody to get a divorce. Amen. So the church is in a, a predicament now because we're looking just like the world. We're, we're, we're divorcing in 75 days because we found out some things that we didn't know before we got married that we don't, we could have dealt with, but since it's early in the relationship, we'll just go ahead and get out. 
Amen. We'll, you know, we'll fold it up. I mean, we ain't really been together that long. Let's go ahead and break up now. Nobody will hardly know we ever been married. No, that's not what God is calling for. Because God has committed himself to us, even in our whoredom. Amen. Even in our adultery with him, even when we have gone after other gods, gods of, of jobs and gods of cars and houses and those things, God did not give us a certificate of divorce. But he stayed committed to us and he continues to call us back to himself. So I contend the, the importance of the church is to always give glory to God. And giving up on our mates for any old reason doesn't give God any glory. Well. Marriage is never going to be easy. Amen. It's two imperfect people trying to work together. Amen. It's never going to be easy, but it's possible. Amen. It's possible to get through the dips in the valleys of marriage and get up on mountaintops and go through it again and you can make it. Mm. If you always remember to put God at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Because every time you think about getting out and going away, when you look at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. He did not come down from the cross to save himself. So should we come down out of the committed relationship that we have committed to before man and before God? And should we look so much like the world that God's glory is not given? Because God gets no glory in divorce for any old kind of reason. As a matter of fact, God hates divorce for any reason. But the Bible teaches us and Jesus comes back and enunciates that there's only one reason why one is given the right or given the luxury, if you will, or the right to come out of a relationship. And that's for sexual immorality. That's when adultery has set in, one or the other. But even in that, God would rather you stay together if by any means you can. Because that exemplifies God's relationship to his bride. Every time we have done things in the sight of God that was not godly at all, but we named the name Christian, we named the name Jesus, we have committed adultery. We have have tied ourselves to something or somebody else, not God. We weren't faithful to him, but yet he has been faithful to us. We haven't followed his commandment. We have not done that, but yet he stayed with us every step of the way. And I'm so glad because if he had been to me as I've been to him, oh my God, oh where would I be? So for the believer, 
For the believer, we've got multifold responsibility in our relationships as husband and wife, wife and husband. Because the one thing is we represent the marriage between Christ and the church. The husband represents Christ and the wife, the bride, the church. And so if the world is to be able to see who Christ is, they have to see it through us. And do we want the world to see Christ as one who, when the rains come and the winds blow, he packs up his bags, pulls loose his electrical cords, and takes off for the hills? Or do we want the world to see that he will be with you even in your darkest hour? Even when you're strung out on drugs, even when you're caught up in alcohol, even when you're down and out living on the street, God will be with you and he will take care of you. See, that is what we don't think about in our relationship. Well, a lot of times we're just thinking about being happy. It's just about me being happy. I'm just not happy. But that's the selfishness of us. But the word allows us to see that we've got a greater responsibility. And so saints of God today, out of this short text today, one of the things is that we must remember that in our own relationships. First of all, our own marriages, because trials will come. And that we must continue to contend for the faith. We must stay committed to one another even in the midst of dark times. Dark times will come when a spouse loses his or her job and now the money has gone so short we can't pay the bills. The mortgage is due but we don't have the funds and then one might look at the other and say you're not helping me. But that's not reason to pack your bags and go home to mama. Stay in there. Get it with the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who has the answer to your problem anyway. If you're going to be separated, the Lord's not hearing from you anyhow. Stay in there together. Pray together. And see the salvation of the Lord. I don't stand here today academically and say this is easy. Because I've been married 16 years and I know it's not. And many of you have been married longer than me and you know it's not easy. But it's possible. And when our brothers and our sisters, when our cousins, our nephews, our nieces, our friends come alongside with us and say that we're going to call it quits. We need to be able to be there too for them and be able to encourage them and be able to instruct them in righteousness because there's something bigger at stake than just their relationship. There's even something bigger at stake if they have children and the breakdown of the family. The kingdom of God is at stake. And that's a big responsibility. But I'm here today to let you know that You can make it if you just put it in the hands of the Lord. And you can tell those who are not here today, those who will come to you with those same problems, you tell them they can make it if you trust in the Lord. Because God said what God put together, let no man put asunder. 
God is able to keep what he puts together. But you got to rely on him. See, marriage allows us to have a lot of prayer time. Because when two imperfect people come in the room together and now got to try to figure out how to live life together, when one used to go west and the other used to go east, it's not easy. One wakes up early, the other wakes up late. One is messy, one is neat. One is, is logical, one is illogical, one is emotional, one is with lacking emotion. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of baggage that comes with an individual. We don't know the history of one versus the history of another. And while we're dating, we're always trying to show our best foot forward. It's only after we say I do and we get in the comfort zone do all of that stuff start to come out. But you got to go in committed. You got to go in knowing that there's some stuff you don't understand yet. And you're going to have to fight it through. And the only way to make it through is with the Lord. I'm telling you, counselors can't help you if the Lord don't help you in marriage. Because a lot of times when folk go to the counselor, they just going to the counselor to get the counselor to decide with one or the other. And what they already want to do. This is a God thing. This is a thing that you have to do on a daily basis with the Lord. You got to let the Holy Spirit flow in between you and your spouse because that's the only way to make it. But I preach this sermon today not just for us, but for those who we are attached to. That we make sure that we don't just get in the same boat with them and say, mm-hmm, sure enough, I don't blame you. Girl, go ahead and get a divorce because he, he ain't giving you the security that you thought he was going to give you. Oh, man, yeah, man, she ain't doing what, no, nah, get you another one. No, get out of that. Don't fall into that trap. Just because you don't want to have confrontation with them. Stay with the word. Because you may save their lives. Because the word is life, y'all. And life more abundant. You don't know what God is going to do with that couple if they just trust in the Lord and fight on. You don't know how they're going to affect others for the Lord as a team. So you make sure even if you don't like the other one so much. Don't be a counselor against them being together. Because after all, they made a vow with God. And because we don't see everything, we've got to wait on the Lord. You be the encourager that follows the word and let the Lord handle the rest. Don't get in there and be an agent in their demise. But be an agent in their encouraging to stick it out. To make it through the muck and mire of everyday life. To make it through the valleys because the mountaintops come again. It ain't always down in deep valleys. Sometimes you got mountaintops. Even in the worst of relationships, a person can say, but I had some good times. And when you had some good times, you can have some good times again. And I'm just crying out today, the saints of God, we've got to stay tight. And we've got to keep ourselves together by the power of God so that we be the right representatives to the world. And then we've got to be the right counselors to the world so that they don't tear themselves up. Because the kingdom of God is at stake.
Amen. 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 And so in our text, as I come to a close, we find that Jesus adds something else here as well. And he says, whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. That ends up being a very tough piece of text to deal with. Because there are many of us who have married those who have been married before. We ourselves may have been married before and have married somebody else. This text shows us that that in itself is adultery. So we start to say, well, what can we do? How? What? Where am I? We didn't mean to be here at that place. Remember Jesus was talking to these religious leaders. He was calling them out on their wife swapping. If you study the full canon of scripture, you will find that there's even an answer for that. We say it so often that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is still a God of a second chance and a third and a fourth and a fifth. See, these religious leaders, they were just doing their swapping and they weren't thinking about God. But if you found yourself in a position like that and you know the Lord, you just ask the Lord to forgive you. You just ask the Lord to forgive you. But if you're one who has just married somebody who has been divorced, it's not quite the same issue as they were dealing with. But what we realize is that we live in a fallen world. Now that you're married again, amen, be committed. God gives you an opportunity to start over. Huh? At time zero, and now where you are, represent God. Where you are, stay committed. Where you are, go through the valleys of life, but stay in the ship. Don't get out of the Jeep when you hit some bumps in the road. Keep on running. Keep on running when things seem like everything is off track. Keep together, keep moving. And everything's going to be all right because the king of kings and lord of lords said he'll be with you. And he's got the power to keep you through all that you're going through. Keep on, saints of God. Keep on fighting. When them times come, don't forget the commitment of the Lord. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here today that have heard these words about the committed Jesus Christ, have heard these words about marriage and how they represent Christ in the church. But you don't have a relationship with God yourself. That God has not entered into your life. That he doesn't walk with you and talk with you and tell you that you are his own. I invite you today to get to know This committed Jesus. This Jesus that will never leave you nor forsake you. This Jesus whom was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. Who when they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. 
He didn't come down to save himself. Well, but every hammer, every sound, every driving of the nails, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about the joy of the day when you would say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. About the day when you would come running saying, what must I do to be saved? I I don't know this Jesus. I I don't talk with him, but I want to get to know him because I want to have joy and peace. Right now I'm out. I, I, I don't feel like living any longer. I, I, I might be going along, but there's an emptiness. And I know that it's for Jesus. Amen. You can get to know him today. Amen. And the good news is it won't cost you anything. Wow. Because Jesus has already paid it all. Amen. He paid the complete price on the cross with his life. But I'm here to let you know that you will not serve a dead Jesus. Because they took him down from that old rugged cross and they put him in a bar tomb. And three days later, he got up with all power in his hand. And the Bible says he sits right now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. But you want to get all the fullness of God, you got to get to know him today. Yeah, yeah. Don't let this day go by you. You don't know whether tomorrow is going to come. But get to know him today. There is room at the cross for you. Still, plenty of good room.